Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Jesus, thank you, dear God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, let's say it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hope to um, impassion you tonight. My preaching, by the way, this year has supposed to have been, my preaching was to stir up your holy affection towards things like the hate for sin, delight in God, hope in His promises, gratitude for His mercy, desire for His holiness, and tender compassion towards mankind. I love that scripture. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then He said said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Thank you for the praying people in 2014 this year. Thank you for all the people praying. Ask, ask, ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. And isn't it so exciting that Pastor Garth, whoa, he's gone. Sorry. Yeah, it was a sneaky one, that one. And um, thought he got raptured there for a moment. Thought he was holy, but didn't think he was that holy. And... Uh, Nicholas Cage was asked about the latest blockbuster about the rapture. It's coming out. It's probably out already in the cinema, is it? Is it out there? Not yet. Anyway, he's a pilot of a plane. And uh, it's this whole drama about, I don't know, left behind series, yeah. Why did you do it? Nicholas Cage was asked. Why did you do it? Well, my brother's a pastor. He asked me to do it. He enlightened me to the series of the left behind series of books. And yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm into that. Anything that makes people think. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, actually. Praise God. I'm looking forward to Christmas. I'm looking forward to hearing people that have had a rest, bought themselves a tent. I said this morning, I admonish people, if you can't afford a holiday, buy a tent. They're cheap at Kmart. You can buy a two-man tent for $40. It'll only last you a weekend, but that's fine. It will leak, it will leak, but you'll have a hoot, you'll love it, you'll thank me for it, that you got your family out and about in this wonderful land we call Australia. Break out, get yourself a breakout session, venture out into the wild blue yonder, and, um, and then have a break at least. Come on, get that family out of that rut, get that family out of their bed. How many times have they slept in that same bed? My goodness. Let them sleep on the terra firma and let them celebrate life and climb a tree and swim in the ocean and run through the sand. And then they're going to thank their parents all over again that you were born. Children get bored. They get bored. I remember getting most upset with my mother because we used to eat wheat bix every morning. I was about 13 and I reared up at my mum. I was really, I'm still really, uh, you know, upset about it, but. I got, I got upset, and I said, I'm sick of, I remember one morning, stomping my bed, I'm sick of breakfast, 
I'm sick of I mean, wheat bix. It's wheat bix or cornflakes every morning. I'm over it. I'm leaving. No. <laughs> and then, you know what? I ended up eating wheat bix again. And I used to get upset with her. She says, Have a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. I'm not going to ever drink a cup of tea. Get used to it. I'm never, I don't care if I'm from England. I will never drink cups of tea as long. Anyway, I drink about 12 cups of tea every day now. So, Mom, sorry about that. And uh, praise you, God. Praise you tonight. We're just feeling so glad. Okay, God bless you. You can take a seat. This message comes from, um, let's, do, let's do a little bit of Scripture first. And uh, praise the Lord. Just loving God at the moment. Loving God. Who's loving God? Yeah. The series is called Here With Us, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, Matthew one twenty three. Let's give it up for the podcast listeners. Barcelona, Italy, US, England, God bless you, Northern Territory, our podcast listeners in Northern Territory, Merry Christmas to you, our good friends we used to go to CLC Church with. They're up there and they listen to our podcast. So. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah named, had this name for our Savior, Emmanuel, 700 years previous to Jesus actually being born. Uh, Isaiah 7, 4, 7 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. And so, this is Isaiah having a major download a major download from heaven that Jesus is coming, the hope, the hope for mankind, the hope for Israel, the hope for the people of God. And he has this massive download that, my God, there is actually a Savior coming and he will be a supernatural Savior. He, he will come and, and he's going to set things right. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean again? God with us. Let's pray for Marty. He's been sick and he's been under the weather. We pray for Marty Jobber. Right there, right there, right there he is sitting. We bless him. Put your hands towards him. Feeling for your buddy. You've been out of action for a couple of weeks now. I've had that infernal thing. Is it okay if I say what it is? Uh, glandular fever. It's terrible. And uh, we rebuke every, every virus, every virus, every blood cell that represents... Uh, that thing, we adjure it, we rebuke it, we cast it out of your body, we pray healing to your entire body, we pray that supernatural healing would take over your body by the blood of the Lamb, by the risen Lord, by the name of Jesus, we declare your body to be healed. Your body's been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, your body belongs to the Lord, and your body is absolutely being blessed right now. It is illegal for your body to be invaded by that virus. And we declare it gone and out of there in Jesus' name. And the saints say, Amen. Amen. A baby changed everything. A baby changed everything. So, you know, I'm hoping that this Easter or this Christmas, I should say, is all about, you know, proclaiming Christ, having a smile on your dial and being excited, proclaiming and trying to get this message across to friends and family that, hey, God can make such a massive difference in your life. Uh, I love that scripture we quoted last week, and Garth, you did so good this morning. But in Colossians 1.28 last week, I said, He is the one we proclaim. 
And Luke 2, 4 says, and you know the story, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, uh, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room at the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord, man, right at the last moment, don't you love angels turning up like this? An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were, I would be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. What is it? Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's why we're a little bit excited right now. 2.11 says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. What did I say? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Whoa, the Lord. Whoa, that's massive. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying, I felt like that was happening tonight, actually. I'm sure there's angels that get around our building, our church, and worship God with us. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Favor rests on you, church. Favor rests on you, people of God. Favor rests upon you to be blessed. Favor is on you. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Are we doing that? I'm praising, I'm praying God that next year in 2015, that we would be more about spreading the good news of Christ. And verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Love that. Love Mary. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. That should be the attitude of us when we come to church. We should be glorifying and praising God you know, come on, we need, we, we, you know, it'd be lovely to have a visit from an angel, but we need to do that because he has come, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. So you know the story, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, the incarnate God turned up, God incarnate turned up. It was the promise of peace and joy. Times were bad at that time, man. It was rife with a lot of a lot of just wear and tear to people in general. You had this mad despot Herod who even killed his own wife and two sons. You think Hitler's bad. This guy was worse than Hitler. Hitler was a, a schoolyard bully compared to Herod. He was a madman. He was killing people, hanging them up, crucifying them. 
even when he was about to die at seven, this is incredible, at the age of about 70, he said, I'm about done out of here. Okay, he went up to this certain place and he had all these good, good, well-to-do people arrested. And he says, when I die, I want them, they trumped up, you know, charges against them, of course. He says, when I die, I want all these 12 people, I want them killed as well. Because you're not gonna cry for me because I'm being so bad. I want you to kill them so that there's tears flowing in the land. This is how bad this guy was. These were bad times. Jesus was born about five miles away from where he was set up, amen? And so Jesus had come, the baby Jesus, and this was the promise that they were believing for. And it was this peace and joy, this whole promise that peace and joy was going to come, and, and, it, and it has come. But where is it, people are saying? Where is your Prince of Peace? There's wars, rumors of wars, and uh, there's people that are broken and dejected. You know, there can, so many dysfunctional people, and I, and I must have to say, this week, I was waiting at the doctor's surgery. I walked in to this little room, just waiting for our doctor. Julie and I went together. Isn't that a special thing? And uh, she had to have her special thing done. I had my special thing done. It's okay. I didn't have my things did or tubes done. on. That's okay, guys. It's all right. It was all, it was all cosmetic. And, um, but I walked in. I walked in, I shouldn't have said that, it's thrown you right, it's just thrown you right out there. Now you're guessing, now you're wondering, and um, <laughs> I walked in, now this is the serious part, I walked in, and, and I noticed a, a lady sitting there, and, and just in this one area, there's only about, can only fit about eight, ten people, and I walked in, and I noticed this lady just really broken, and, and like a bird you know, with a broken wing, really hurt. I could tell that she was broken on life. She was sweating it because she thought I was going to sit near her. You know, just be careful, guys, and everyone. We, you know, people are so broken that sometimes you just can't sit near them, amen? You know, you know what I'm saying? They're just freaking, they're just sweating, and I could just tell she's, she's just broken on life, and just took one look at her, I just knew, wow, this poor woman, she's just broken like a little bird, just injured, and, and I, my heart went out to her, and I certainly wasn't going to go sit near her, because there was hardly any seats, and so I, Julie's saying, sit down, I said, no, it's cool, I want to stand, I started looking to your phone as you do, and um, <laughs> you know, I was going, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, I'm standing here like an idiot, and uh, <laughs> But I knew I was not going to sit down next to this woman. And I thought, oh, my God. And then I found a bird, a, a, a little animal, a little, little, little precious little bird um, floating in my swimming pool and uh, diseased and uh, obviously, uh, you know, dead in the water, so to speak. Uh, fished it out. God's given me this imagery, and, and it really affected me, you know, this... This, um, this whole deal about broken people. And I go shopping and, and I notice people. I notice their, I notice their condition. I, I do notice their condition. I, I notice their physical condition. I notice their, 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 their spiritual condition. 
their physical condition, and I just can't help it. And so going shopping is not a great, great, you know, relief for me. Running into lots of people that I believe are broken. Uh, and, and Christmas represents for me joy, good cheer to all men, peace and joy to all men. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a bit of a contrast, isn't it? We're trying to celebrate the gift of Christ and we're saying, well, we're in, we're in good company with Christ. What about all the lonely, the broken people out there? And, uh, you know, what about the dad yelling at his wife in the car park because he hasn't got enough money to make things go around for Christmas? So my heart for this message is really about um, what's the deeper meaning of Christmas? Is it, okay, this is my last shot. This is my last shot at preaching for 2014. So I need to, I need to do something a little bit more than glad tidings. Uh, I need to get to the depth of the profoundness of what Christmas really means. Is, is that okay if I do that? So I did stumble across this video, and I think it's going to help me. Now, just before they run it, it'll go for about six, seven minutes. But this is, this is from someone, again, that's been through life, and I don't know how, but each time they come up roses saying, God, I love you. And I have a heart for people that are broken. I have a heart for that woman that was in that doctor's surgery, who's obviously, her health is not good, her mental health is not good, physical health's not good, and she's probably not saved. Guys, do you care? Do you have compassion for these people? We We really need to have compassion. We really need to believe for 2.15, or this, even this Christmas season, that, that we have a shift of, uh, uh, to, to really believe for souls to be saved, to get this message of Christmas, the real message. A lot of people celebrating Christmas out there, a lot of, a lot of them are just over it. Do you notice? Oh, I'm just over Christmas. You know, gee whiz, it's just a commercial thing, you know. But we're, we're trying to celebrate, say, no, this is great. This is celebrating our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Yeah, well, where is he? Where is the Lord of peace? Where is your Prince of peace? You know, where is he? I don't see him. There's wars. Things are getting worse by the hour. I don't see him making any difference, actually. Yeah, you look all right, I guess, but, you know, but, but look out there. Look, look, look at the brokenness and look, look, look at people's lives. You know, we're not seeing much hope. We're not seeing, but there is hope. And that hope that you have inside your heart, no matter what happens around you, you you can be resilient in these days. You can be strong and shine. You don't have to cave in and get despondent, but we've got to realize the profoundness of Easter. This is a profound, if I could have that uh, pulled down, that'd be great, guys. I just want to show this. And this is from someone who's really been through, wow, the ringer. And I thought this would be pertinent to my message. could not be a mom to me that was just impossible maybe it was the pills maybe the depression maybe because of Satan but I love you Jesus 
I remember as a young boy being tormented by the demons. It was so terrible. I would go into the bathroom and cry for hours at a time. I need you, Jesus. My teen years were so bad. No words could possibly explain it. The anger, the rage, the frustration, the battles against lust, living totally out of control. But I love you, Lord. There was child abuse going on at our house also, but you know everything, Jesus. And when I was 18 years old, and I found out the very first person I ever loved was cheating on me, all I can say, Lord, is I need you. All of the late night promises she whispered to me, all of the dreams we made together shattered in the blink of an eye. But I love you, Jesus. Night after night, I sat in the dark with a knife in my hand. I was just trying to get enough courage to kill myself. Time was running out for me here on earth, but you stopped it. You protected me. You were a shield of love around me, and I need you, Jesus. When all hope was gone, no money, no friends, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, you came to me, Lord. You held me tight all night long, and I thank you. I remember as a young man wasting tens of thousands of dollars talking to so-called psychic people. I was trying to somehow, some way, get rid of the loneliness and depression. But I still love you, Lord. I still love you. Even though the demons and my own evil flesh, they tell me over and over again that I do not love you? I do love you, Lord. Yes, I do. Sometimes I think about the thousands of hours I wasted computer gaming on the internet, yet I know even all of this was your perfect plan for my life, and I love you, Jesus. I remember Christian friends dumping me, throwing me away like I was garbage, all because they had a dream about me. Even when I hated myself, when I hated the world, when I completely gave up, You were still there for me, right by my side every step of the way. And I need you, Jesus, badly. Other ministry groups kicked me out of fellowship, all because we didn't agree on a scripture. There's been no love for me in this life you gave me, but I still love you, my best friend. Even though I lost two years of my life in prison, I know all of this was your perfect plan for me. Most of my Christian friends left me a long time ago, yet somehow, someway, I still love you, the Lamb of God. And even during the tears and making plans to end my own life, you were there for me, Jesus, right by my side. You never left me. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you for the grace you're giving me so I can love your son, Jesus. One earth-shattering disappointment after another, but I still love you. My first wife divorced me. Then while in prison, my second wife divorces me too. Yet somehow, someway, all because of grace, I can say, I love you, Lord. From the age of five all the way to 50, the sadness, the loneliness, the depression have been relentless. But you are incredible, Jesus. Year after year, battling against alcohol, internet gaming, and pornography. Yet all I can say is I love you. And right before we got married, my fiance got cancer. Ten years later, I'm still waiting for her. But somehow, some way, I still love you, Lord. This life has been so hard, so bad, so terrible, Lord. But I know you're using all this for my good. And I tell the entire world right now, I love you. Though you slay me, I love you, Jesus. Yeah, I watched that a few times to make sure I could play it. And I don't know, just something about it just kept on getting me. And I thought, no, I'm going to play this. This is about someone who's really been through hell and back, amen, and he just keeps coming back, I love you, Jesus, I love you, I mean, uh, so what I'm trying to do is trying to get your affections stirred up towards the lost, towards the broken, towards the lonely, towards those ones out there that seem, you know, they're just, they're they're impossible to, to reach, but, you know, God can reach them, and who knows, and maybe closer than even us to the Lord. So, um, love this stuff. Love this stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Three things the cradle, the cross, and the crown. The message of Christmas a cradle, a cross, and a crown. Let's check this out. The cradle. On the first uh, Christmas night, the Bible tells us about the angel coming to those shepherds and saying, fear not, I bring you good news. We really have to understand this is, this is big news for someone who's broken. If you're just doing all right and, you, and, you, and you're fine, it's not such big news. But if you're that guy in real need, it's humongous news, Amen. So one of the difficulties that we have is that when we have salvation is to be reminded again and again every day that, no, this is really exciting news, that I feel pleased with myself, that I feel right with God, that I can boldly you know, come to the throne of grace, that I can sing His praises, that I'm quite open to be with Him and I feel good about myself. That deal right there is so big, amen? 
and that's what we call salvation. Sometimes you've got to stir yourself up again to realize, my goodness, this is good news. Jesus did come. He stepped out. They were looking for him in the Old Testament, and seemingly he came from outer space almost, and he was born a virgin's birth. God incarnate came as a servant to serve mankind, to live this extraordinary life, to lay his life down like a lamb, to shed his blood on the cross. This was, this was like, what? No, they thought that he was supposed to come and set up rulership and bring world order, but they certainly didn't realize at the time, especially the religious leaders, even the prophets at the time were second-guessing Jesus, thinking, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to bring order. We're supposed to have, you're supposed to bring peace throughout the land and order. But they didn't understand that Jesus was bringing this to our hearts, not in a political way, but it was coming into people's hearts. And for those peoples who believed in Christ and the gift of salvation, that hope and peace that we take into our heart it really does work. When we're in good standing with God, we can stand against all the chaos of life, all the stuff of life that is hitting us, bombarding us. You just have to look at the news and, and you, you, you'd be shaken up, wouldn't you? But the good news is, is that we have salvation. It is good news and it's a beautiful thing. Now, Jesus, understand this, Hebrews 4.15, I'm just going to race through this, for we understand this, that he understands that guy who spoke that testimony. He understands your life. He came as a human to feel what pain would feel like, to feel what temptation would feel like, to feel the anguish, all the stuff that humans feel. He understands that. That's why it says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Apostle John wrote, he said, The Word became flesh. In John 1.14 he said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son. Jesus did come 2,000 years ago. It's evident in all that we see. In all the learning institutions on the planet, the social reforms that we all believe in, um, changed people, changed family. How can you explain that guy's life? So... so Tell me, how did you change? I, I bet an atheist would really have a lot of problems with that testimony. So, so what got you out of that? You're telling me Jesus? You're telling me your trust and belief in Jesus? I, I can't believe, that's what they'd actually say. I can't believe that. That was just your willpower. But I would safely say God's strength, God's grace got him through that, amen? And if only we could, if I only could get to that lady in that reception place, if I could get through all her 
paranoia and brokenness and, and, and frightenedness. And if I could reach her in a moment and tell her, Jesus can bless you, heal you. Jesus can give you strength. He can sort this mess out. He can sort your life out. He can give you hope. He can give you peace. One of the ladies that we had saved in the school hall, Cutler Drive School Hall, so we started the church in the housing commission area, right, in Cutler Drive, and we had people saved all the time, radically saved. And um, this one lady got saved. She came back the next week, and um, she bailed me up. She said, you didn't tell me that. I said, what, what do you mean? She, she said, I, I can sleep during the night now. I've not been able to sleep through the night for about 20 years. I have panic attacks, anxious things, and I, I get woken up, I wake up, and my life's been a turmoil. I've never been able to sleep, but when I gave my life to the Lord that night, that Sunday night, I was able to sleep all during the night. What a beautiful thing. Another lady bailed me up at another time, and it was in another church. There was a meeting on down the road. I turned up, and this lady came out at me, and she said, you didn't tell me that. I said, what do you mean? You didn't tell me if I gave my life to Jesus that I couldn't smoke grass anymore without, without it not working. It doesn't work anymore. You, you didn't tell me that, that I can't take drugs anymore. I said, you don't need, you know, well, don't take drugs. That's not my fault. But there is humongous implications for when you get saved. Amen. God can reach out to these people. God can bless these people, but there must be a way. The second thing is the cross, the cross. The angel said, to the, uh, said at the birth of Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. I'm talking about Christmas, guys. What's Christmas mean? It means the cradle, the birth of Jesus, God incarnate, came as a servant, but it's about the cross. It's him going to the cross. The angel said at the birth of Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus himself said, speaking just before his death, for this cause was I born, John 18, 37. For this cause was I born. He was the only person born onto this planet to, with a purpose, to die. The apostle Paul years later said in 1 Timothy 1, 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Guys, can I say to you, the central message of Christmas is in fact that Jesus Christ came but died and was resurrected and lives for humanity to change individuals, to change that precious lady, to heal her, to bless her, to change you and I, to bless families. And this is the proof that Jesus has come. So many people have been changed by him. Families live by the teachings and by the Spirit of God. And they live a most wonderful life, an exemplary life. They're clean. Their health, yes, they have issues sometimes, but their health is good. Yes, they have struggles. Yes, we're living on planet Earth. But with Christ, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God is our strength. We can pave our way through life. It's treacherous. 
you could lose your life. But if you find your life in Christ, you will live a most exciting life every day. Knowing that Jesus is leading you, guiding you, that his providence of his his presence, the providence of God is about, he's there, he's catching you, he's guiding you, he's leading you. I love this. And when I see broken people, when I see people out and about, my heart goes out to them. Our greatest need is a change of people's hearts towards God. I believe if we don't see that, uh, things are just going to get worse. We're going to see society get worse because the pressure's on. People need Jesus. The Bible teaches that human race is morally sick. The disease has affected every phase of our life in society. The Bible calls this disease the ugly three-letter word, sin. We've been looking at Colossians. and Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 10, check that out. Paul says, he mentions all these sins or dispositions. He says, we need to mortify those things. We need to, and, and, and a little ways down, he says, we need to take those things off, like clothing, like disgusting clothing, putrid clothing. We need to take it off. It needs to be put to death. How can that be done? How can sin be dealt with in such a fashion? Only through the blood of Christ. Only through Jesus, what He's done on the cross. Amen. So we should be celebrating Christmas and celebrating Easter. We should be celebrating these events because they, they, what does it mean? It says that God is saying to us, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's what Christmas is saying. I love you. I love you so much that I sent my only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him should not perish, should not suffer, but have life, everlasting life. He's saying also, I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. You can come to the throne of grace. Imagine saying that to someone who feels like they're a million years away from God. Imagine saying that. You can come before God now. No, you don't understand. I could not approach God. Yes, you can. The good news is through Christ, through the cross, through the cradle, through the cross, you can approach Him. Stand up. Let me, let me bring you. Let me bring you. But my wing's broken. My life's broken. My heart's broken. My mind's broken. I can bring you. I can bring you. Like the four people that brought the, the leper in through the, through the roof. We need to bring people in, people that are sick and broken. We need to feel for them, have compassion on them, and reach out to them. Pray for them if you know anyone like this. Some would say it's idiotic, ridiculous that a man dying 2,000 years ago could be relevant today. Well, Paul anticipated that. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is... I know, nonsense to those who are involved in this dying world. But to us who are being saved from that death, it is nothing less than the power of God. There's judgment before us. This is, the, this is a major fact that we don't talk about, but there is judgment. It's an, it's an amazing thing when Jesus, 
declared, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. He pulled short from that judgment statement because that, that judgment time is not right now, but it will come. In one, Isaiah 61 verse two says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that's where Jesus stops. But the rest of the scripture, which is going to come says, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Morally, socially, economically, politically, spiritually, we are in deep trouble. We need salvation. Humanity needs salvation. If we can't turn these people to God, it's not good. His invitation stands, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I said this morning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus, gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I see people with turmoil, anguished, anxiety-ridden, taken medication, zonked out of their brain, stumbling into doctor's surgery, needing more of the same. But God, if they come to your son Jesus, they can find rest for their soul. We can't turn a blind eye any longer. We can't just walk through these shopping centers and it's hard. But we certainly can say, God, I feel for them. At least we can do that. At least we can do that. The third thing was the crown. I love this. Chisel in the cornerstone of the United Nations building is a quotation from the Bible that has never been fulfilled. It reads, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation." neither shall they learn war anymore. I mean, this is a, a radical thought that nation, that the nations of the earth laying down their weapons and us finding peace. But that's actually what's quoted. That's actually what's quoted. This passage speaks of the time when the Messiah will rule and reign over the whole earth. That's why he asks us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. There's a time coming, folks, when Jesus is not coming back as a baby. He's not coming back as a baby. He's not, he's, you know, we saw him cradle. He was in a stall of an animal. At the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. But when he comes again, it will be as commander in chief of the armies of heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. When he, when he first came, he came in the stall of an animal. At the cross, He wore a crown of thorns. But when He comes again, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it will be as a commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. And He's going to bring new social order. He's going to bring new order. He's going to still the storm. He's going to bring justice. Armageddon, yeah, it's going to happen. But God's going to come at the last moment. Jesus is going to come. And He's going to bring peace. The peace that we believe is still real in our hearts. He's going to bring a manifested reality to the planet. New order, ruling and reigning, King Jesus, 
coming back in all His glory. It's a beautiful thing. The whole prospect of Christmas is an amazing thing. It's far deeper. It's wider. It's more amazing than what you could even believe. Tears will be wiped from every eye. Sin will be eliminated. A new world order will be formed. A new social order will be emerge. He will take control of this war-weary world and bring the peace that we strive for and long for. Disease shall be no more. Even death will be eliminated from the human scene. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation and war shall be no more. This is the promise of Christmas. This is our hope. This is the Christmas star that lights our darkness. This is the Christmas star that lights our darkness. This is the assurance that our new day is coming through the Messiah whose name is called by the Isaiah, the prophet, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Some people have tried to get rid of Him. Some tried to ignore Him. Others are unwilling to face His great claims. They're even trying to shut Christmas down. I heard Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, and he wrote an article only last week and they're saying they're trying to take out Christmas out of some of the institutions, out of the marketplace, out of the shopping centers, trying to take the name of Christ out of our society and community. He's dismayed. They're horrified. The nation of America appeasing the secularist and the humanist saying, no, we can't bring Christ. We can't allow Christ to be to be heralded, to be proclaimed like that. It's not right. We're free thinking, independent people. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna celebrate Christ. We're gonna celebrate Christmas. Not happy holidays, amen. Not happy holidays. Happy Christmas, guys. It's all awesome. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.